came to us. I don't know, how many of you know the story of how Drake came to us? Some of you do. Your soul winners do. Amen. You Saturday people do. Uh, but some of you may not. Drake, Drake called me on a Friday. And uh, I just happened to pick up the phone and said, you know, Loomis Park Baptist Church, how may I help you? And uh, he said, uh, I'm looking for a good, good church. And I said, well, you found it. Amen. And he said, well, do you use the King James Bible? I said, we certainly do. Don't use anything else. Amen. And uh, he said, well, do you guys have, do you have soul winning? And I said, we do. As a matter of fact, tomorrow we have Extra Mile Saturday, which is something we've done certain years where we have a particular Saturday where we devote some extra time to getting out and knocking a neighborhood. And uh, he said, okay. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll be there. And I thought he meant Sunday. First time I met this man, he showed up for soul winning. Now, as a pastor, that's a risky proposition. You don't know everybody that comes out soul winning, amen? And when it's somebody's very first time coming, amen? And uh, I remember that, and uh, I remember Drake, I remember Drake walking to this church and riding his bike in the rain to make, help me, somebody help me, amen? Uh, and I appreciate uh, this young man, and uh, going to be starting in the fall at Golden State Baptist College. Training for the ministry, amen. And what a what a blessing that is, amen. You bless me, buddy, amen. Don't be uh, don't be discouraged about that performance. You're not performing. You're singing to your family, amen. And uh, praise the Lord. Good good stuff. How many of you today? How many of you here know the second law of thermodynamics? Oh, you didn't realize this was a science class. I'm one hand up. God bless Uncle Joe, amen. Uncle Joe knows something about everything, amen? The set, I'll, by the way, I'll bet more of you know it than just me and Uncle Joe. I bet you do. Because I bet you know it, and here it is in its technicality. The total entropy of an isolated system can only increase over time. You say, Pastor, that's nice. What does it mean? <laughs> it means this. Everything wears out and breaks down or things do not get better over time, they grew worse. Any closed system left to itself breaks down. How do you know, Pastor? How many Model T Fords do you see out on the road today? Not that many. Why? Because things break down. How many of you ever had to replace a water pump in your car? Why? Because things break down. Things wear out. Amen. Uh, I was looking at our roof the other day and I, I saw some shingles and I said, oh boy. I said to my wife, said, we're going to probably have to replace that roof in the next couple of years. Why is that? Because of the second law of thermodynamics, things break down. Amen. Now, by the way, how many of you knew that? You know things break down. Raise your hand. Amen. See, you're all professors of thermodynamics. Amen. You know that things break down. Did you know such breakdown was not always a part of God's plan? Listen, when God created Adam out of the dust of the earth... And it's very interesting when you read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, everything he spake into existence, but you and I he formed and made with his own hands. Think about that, amen. And here was Adam in the garden, and, and here was Eve in the garden, and there was work to do, but it was not physically exhausting. Their bodies weren't breaking down, and then, of course, we know what happened. Man disobeyed God. Uh, the devil came and tempted man, and man disobeyed God and unknowingly brought death, darkness, and decay into our world. And ever since then, everything has been dying. Everything is... I, I can't wait. I hope... I actually wanted to preach it this morning. I mentioned a message about spring... I think I'm going to preach it the week after Mother's Day, Lord willing, if God will let me have it. But, you know, spring, one of the wonderful parts of spring is the dead coming back to life. Amen. And it's such a picture, and I, I don't want to spoil the, the message. Amen. But man disobeyed God, and, and, and now we have this decay and, and this death and this darkness. But praise God, 
The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Amen. That Jesus, uh, through his death for us on the cross, he, he restored the order. And, and praise God for, for all that Jesus Christ is and, and all that he has done and does and all that he desires to, to bless us with, uh, both in the sweet by and by forever and also in the nasty now and now. I think about uh, doctrines that we hold so dear, and I had the privilege in, in Sunday school to, to preach on Jude uh, 3 and, and how we're to earnestly contend for the faith and, and, and the parts of the faith like the verbal inspiration of the Scriptures and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and the, the sinless life of Christ and His substitutionary atonement and, and the, the resurrection of Christ and, and the second coming of Christ. I thank God for those, those fundamentals of the faith, but I also thank God for what I call the shuns. Salvation. Redemption. Amen. Uh, Regeneration. Justification. And I thank God for another blessing called transformation. Transformation. We read 2 Corinthians 5.17. It said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And thank God for that instantaneous transformation that takes place when a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. Instantaneous. But there's also not only a transformation that takes place at salvation, there's a transformation that takes place after salvation. I want you to go to Romans 12. Romans 12 with me. We're going to bounce around our Bibles tonight. God does transform us into new creatures when we trust Christ. Amen. And however, while this is eternal and instantaneous, the other transformation takes place gradually. And that's Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we're very familiar with. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And all God's people said, has to do with our surrender. And then it says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be what, church? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This second transformation has to do with surrendering to him as Lord and renewing our minds through the word of God. That's a transformation that is gradual. It's a, it's a day-to-day. When I think about that transformation, I, I think about somebody who uh, commits, and I know we all do on January 1st, but uh, maybe somebody who commits to lose some weight, okay? And it, if you see that person every day, you don't really notice the, the weight loss. But like, let's say, let's say uh, I dropped 25 pounds. I know that's a laughing matter, but let's say I did, and I did it over the winter, and then Mama and Papa Howland came back and said, Pastor, well, you've lost some weight. The transformation becomes much more evident with a gap of time. Amen? In our lives, too. See, we don't know the transforming, we don't know the transforming work that God's doing in people's hearts here. But God's still doing it. Amen. As you surrender to him, as you submit to him, amen. And and that, that's really what I want to talk about tonight. In this sinful world that we live in, that which is good is given to decay and breakdown. And what can we do about it? What what must we do about it? I'll tell you what we have to do. We have to maintain the good. We have to contribute to our transformation by surrendering to him as Lord, by reading the word of God. How many of you know that maintenance is important? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Yeah, Pastor Mark, amen. God bless you, amen. We know maintenance is important, don't we, preacher? Amen. Maintaining things. I remember years ago, uh, I had a man in my life, and he taught me. I had a Jeep Wrangler back then, and this was back when you could actually get your hands in cars. How have you noticed you couldn't drop a pin in a car now, and it wouldn't hit the ground? It gets stuck somewhere in there, amen. 
But he taught me, Brother Jim, how to change my oil. He said, here's how you do it. And he taught me how to, how to uh, uh, take off the coil wire when you start it so you don't uh, have the engine without oil. And he, he told me how to take the, the seal and, and take a little oil and put it on the seal so it didn't stick and burn and, and all those things. And he, I remember him saying this, it's better to change your oil than have to buy a new engine. What happens if you don't change your oil? Some of you right now are thinking, I have to change that? Amen. Just keep adding. Amen. Just keep adding. No, that's maintenance. Maintenance. Amen. And this is really what I want to talk about tonight is praise God for that, that transformation that God gives. In, in, in Ezekiel, it talks about a new heart. Amen. Amen. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it says we're a new creature. But Proverbs 4 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to keep a warm heart for him. And that's the title of my message today, keeping a warm heart for God. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say a warm heart for God? I mean, tender. The, the preaching, I, I, and again, I... I'm always working on this myself. I hope you know that. I never think I've arrived. Uh, but there are times when my heart is more tender than others. And I walked in tonight, and the choir was up there, and I, and I, got, I, got, to, I got to get blessed by people who give an extra hour and a half of their Sunday to be a blessing to us, to glorify God. And, and they were up there singing, Remind Me. I think that's next week's song. Amen, Pastor Mark. Remind me, dear Lord. And just thinking about the, the blessing. And, and, and I, I could say, tonight, my heart was tender. I began to weep as I was sitting there in the pew. Pastor Mark was up there doing all this. And that was weep-worthy as well, just watching him. Amen. Uh, but praise the Lord. Amen. I, I know when I don't have a tender heart. I know when my heart is not as warm as it should be. Amen. And so do you. So do you. So I want to I preach a simple message tonight on keeping a warm heart for God. And, and by the way, what happens? <clears throat> I said this morning, the tendency of a fire is to go out. The tendency of a warm heart is to cool off. What, what causes that? Well, I, I just have a few things that, that causes us to get a, a, a cold heart. I think afflictions sometimes can cause us to have a cold heart. Just afflictions in our lives and, and burdens and difficulties. And if, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, if we're not grounded in this book, we can raise our fist to God. The God that created us. The God that loves us. The God that saves us. The God who's working all things together for good for us. Afflictions can come into our lives. And we could say, well, why is this happening to me? And, and, and woe is me. And, and I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting down afflictions. I'm not saying that your affliction is less. I'm just saying that's a way I know in my own life where I've seen my heart get cold. You know, something else that, that happens, and really it's almost a product of a cold heart, but was, we become apathetic. Not only afflictions, but apathy. Apathy is, I don't care. I just don't care. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, that can happen. It's more of a product of a cold heart, but it actually contributes to having a cold heart. You know what else young people can contribute to you having a cold heart for God? Appetites. And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about what your eyes desire to consume and what your ears desire to consume and what, what you enjoy, particularly in your entertainment appetites. I'm going to tell you, if it grieves the Holy Spirit, your heart will get cold. Your heart will get cold. I think about our affections, that which we love, that is not of God. It'll give us a cold heart. You know what else I think, uh, especially amongst the people of God, can contribute to to cooling our heart off? Arguments. Arguments. Just Hatfield, McCoy fighting and a fussing. Amen? It, it'll cool your heart off. It, it, it just will. So 
How can we keep a tender heart? I, I want to go, I've got, I've got eight points, and I've I got to throw a ninth one in there. I think the Lord really just laid it on my heart. But uh, let's, let's, if we could, jump around the scriptures a little bit tonight. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 6. And I know you know this verse, and I, I actually hit this point in my uh, applications this morning, but I preached on it countless times. But I think the, the number one priority for keeping a warm heart for God is to, number one, put God first. Put God first. Not, listen, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me just uh, give you a, a few areas uh, there about keeping God first. We ought to keep God first in our walk. Our walk. You say, what's your walk? Your walk is your time with God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. A number one. A number one contributor of a cold heart is a sporadic walk with God. Ladies and gentlemen, let's put God first in our walk. Is it duty or devotion? Brother Jeff, sometimes it's duty. Be honest, it is. Sometimes it's duty. But we don't call them personal devotions. We call them that for a reason. I want to be devoted to God. I want God to know that I absolutely adore him. Amen? I tell you, you absolutely adore God and you spend time with God, you'll keep a warm heart. You'll keep a warm heart. Amen. So, uh, put God first in our walk. Put God first in our worship. Our worship is uh, when Jesus was asked, what is the first and great commandment in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, verse 37, 38? He didn't hesitate. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. You know how you tell God that you love him? By putting him first. Not just telling him that we love him. Thank God for our lips. But our lives speak louder than our lips, don't they? Amen. And so put him first in, in uh, your walk and in your worship. And here's something, boy, this one right here, in your will. And I don't mean your last will and testament, though it's okay to tell Jesus you love him. Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew 26, 39, Father, not my will, but thine be done. That'll keep a warm heart. When you say, God, I will, how about this? I want to do this, God, but I want to do what you want me to do. So keep him first. Put God first in your, in your walk and in your worship and in your will and in your witness. You know, I, for me, I, I, j this is for me, and I, I'm, I'm away from the pulpit, so I'm, I'm just I'm testifying. I know when I have not witnessed to somebody in too long that I get a cold heart. And listen, we can all make excuse, but the excuses I make and the excuses you make, they're going to burn up at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen? You, you, want to keep, you want to keep a warm heart to God? Realize that sinners are on their way to hell and God wants you to do something about it. Amen? So, number one, put God first. Number two, Let's go to, uh, well, let's go to, well, let's go to, yeah, let's go to, amen? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I showed this to somebody. I think it was, maybe it might have been Brother Horsch. He said, man, I don't know how you read that, amen? <laughs> I said, well, one day it'll be like this, folks. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glasses on the bottom of the nose. Amen. I know it's coming. I catch myself in the morning as I'm having my devotions 
rubbing my eyes a little bit more and, and uh, having to focus a couple extra times, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, number one, put God first. Number two, love people for who they are, not for who you want them to be. Amen? Love people for who they are, not for who you want them to be. Listen, I, I want my children to grow up and to be successful. I, I want them, and, and I, I don't, by that, I don't mean make a lot of money. I happen to think a lot of you are successful. You're great Christians. You teach Sunday school, and you sing in the choir, and you work on the bus, and you usher, and you help with the ERT. I would be so happy if my children would grow up to be like you. I mean that. But I love them no matter what they are. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Charity suffereth long. That's love. Amen. And is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no what, church? Love people for who they are not for who you want them to be. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. A new commandment I write unto you, that you love one another. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For how can you love God whom you have not seen and hate his brother whom you have seen? You want to keep a warm heart? Love people for who they are. Our family, friends, and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ do things differently. Amen? Disagree. Amen? And may even discourage one another. Don't let that affect your love. Don't let that affect your love. You love people for who they are, not for who you want them to be, and you'll keep a tender heart. You'll keep a warm heart for God. Just loving people. You know, as a pastor, it's sometimes hard to separate loving people from where you think they should be. I think about the Apostle Paul in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. He said, he said uh, hey, hey, some of you are, are, are teachers and you ought to be eating steak and you're sucking on a bottle. That's what he said. He still loved him. Hey, think about the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth, Brother Tom, is what we call a rebuking epistle. Everything in it, just about, is rebuke for that carnal church. But in 2 Corinthians, you know what Paul said? Chapter 11, verse 2, he said, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. I love you so much. I want to espouse you to Christ as a chaste version. I just love you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, love people for who they are, not for who you want them to be. You'll keep a tender heart. Let me give you number three. Number three. First uh, John. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. I hope this is helping you tonight. It's helping me. I want to have a warm heart for God. I want to have God use me. If I have a cold heart, I know I'm not going to be used of God like I should be. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number one. How can I keep a tender heart for God? Number one, put God first in your walk, in your worship, in your will, and your witness. Number two, love people for who they are, not for who they, how you want them to be. Number three, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. This is so basic, ladies and gentlemen. 
But again, a great contributor to a cold heart is just simply letting sin pile up in our lives. Just letting it go. And, and, and we, we've said before, imagine that here's the, here's the blessing spout of God right here. And, and this is where God wants you to be. And this is what it is when you're uh, right with God and you've confessed your sins to him and, and, and then you sin a little bit. And you're still getting a little bit of the blessings, right? Still getting a little, and then you sin some more. And then some time goes by. And then some time goes by, and you, you sin more, and you, you just, well, I don't need to confess. I'm not that bad. I, I'm not, I, you know, other people got way worse things than me. And, and, I, and the next thing you know, you're still a child of God, but you're far away. You're cold. See, that spot right there is where the heart stays warm, Brother Don. You're God's blessing, and you're seeing him for his blessings. That's warm. You know what you need to do? Here, here's the key. Whether you're here, 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 or all the way over here, or on the other side of uh, Airport Road, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. Confess your sins often. You don't confess your sins to me. You don't confess your sins to the deacons. You don't confess your sins to your husband, ma'am, or your wife, sir. You confess your sins to God. Put God first, number one. Love people for who they are, not who you want them to be, number two. Number three, keep short accounts with God. Number four, Proverbs 4.23, we already read it. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Number four, guard against sin, but particularly the sins of the heart. In Matthew chapter 5, in what we call the Sermon of the Mount, there's a, it's a great study, by the way. I think six times Jesus says, but I say unto you. He takes something that was said in the Old Testament, a truth of the Old Testament, and he doesn't contradict it, he supplements it. Not, not contradicting, he said, he said, it's been said in the old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. And all God's people said, preached pretty hard on that this morning, amen. Thou shalt not commit adultery, amen. But I say unto you, Jesus said, that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. So he's supplementing adultery, and really what he's doing is he's getting to the heart of adultery. See, be on guard against sin in your life, but particularly the sins of the heart. Why, Pastor? Because Jesus said this, if you don't want to get off on the exit of adultery, get off the highway of lust. Amen? That's the heart matter right there. He talked about uh, several other things. By the way, you ought, to, you ought to study that, but I say unto you, it's a tremendous study. And it's simply this about sins of the heart. When we guard against and deal with, by keeping short accounts with God, deal with the sins of the heart, the process is stopped, and thus they never become the sins of the flesh. Amen? Remember Jesus said, out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murmurings. Fornications, adult, all those things, they, they proceed from the heart. So here's what we want to do. We want to guard our heart. We want to guard against sin, and particularly the sins of the heart. Young people, that's why we're always on you about what you watch and listen to. We don't do that because we hate you. We do that because it creates appetites in your life which can become the sins of the heart, which turn into the sins of the flesh unless you guard against it. So you want to keep a warm heart for God? Guard against sin, but particularly the sins of the heart. Simple as this, ladies and gentlemen. Stay away from the edge. Amen? Dr. Malone used to say often, he said, it is better to have a fence at the top than to build a hospital at the bottom. Amen? It's better to have a fence at the top of the cliff than to build a hospital at the bottom. You know what guarding against sin is? It is building a fence at the top. 
saying, you know what, I'm going, to have some, I'm going to have some things in my life. I'm going to have some walls and some borders in my life that protect me from sin and the evil one. So, number one, keeping a warm heart for God. Number one, put God first. Number two, love people for who they are. Number three, keep short accounts with God. Number four, guard against sin. Number five, Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. I have to confess of all the points, this is the hardest one. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Great passage here. There's, I think, three times in this text where it says that I may. Verse 8 says that I may win Christ. Verse 10 says that I may know him. Verse 12, that I may apprehend. Good study. Verse 10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen. And the fellowship of his sufferings. You want to keep a warm heart? Patiently endure godly suffering. Patiently endure godly suffering. I'm not talking about, as Peter would say, suffering as an evildoer. If you break the law, you will suffer punishment for that. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about patiently enduring misunderstanding. Some of you have lost children, and you're suffering, and I know you are. Some of you have wayward children, and you're suffering. Patiently endure godly suffering. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 and let me show you something about suffering tonight that will help. And I know, I know we have countless people in this auditorium that are suffering in one way or another. Just in the areas I've mentioned, I know we have people. And it hurts. And you wish your kids would come back to God and... And they just don't seem to. And, and those of you that lost a son or a daughter, you wish you could have them at Thanksgiving. And you, you wish you could spend Christmas with them. I, I know that that's true. Hebrews chapter 2, look at it with me. Verse number 9. Oh, this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Hebrews 2, 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the... Suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. I always say that to the Calvinists. Take that one. Amen. Calvinism. Some lives matter, Pastor Mark. Amen. All of them matter to God. He tasted death for every man. For it became him of whom are all things, and of whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through. Now I want to say this. Jesus Christ was already perfect. You know what sufferings do? They mature us. They mature us. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For the which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, <clears throat> I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the devil." And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject unto bondage. For verily he took not of him the, him the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he may be a merciful and faithful high priest of things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered. Being tempted, he is able to succor or help them that are tempted. 
I can tell you this as a pastor, I have not endured a lot of suffering in my life. I'm an only child. That in itself, I avoided suffering. As some of you told me of. We had eight kids, and if you didn't eat quick, you got lint. Amen? I understand that. But I've been around some people of God that have suffered greatly. And I have found out that those who kept their heart warm for God were the ones who patiently endured it. Doesn't mean they didn't, forgive me, it doesn't mean they didn't complain to God. But it means they didn't complain to everybody else. Amen? Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Patiently endure godly suffering. We could, of course, think of 2 Corinthians 12. Apostle Paul, please take this thorn of the flesh away. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore will I glory, Paul said. I'll glory in tribulations that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Putting putting God first, number one. Keeping a warm heart for God. Put God first. Love people for who they are, not who you want them to be. Keep short accounts with God. Guard against sin, but particularly the sins of the heart. Patiently endure godly suffering. Here's one, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, right after Philippians in your Bibles. Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. The fifth or sixth way to keep a tender heart is to forgive as God forgives. That's not easy. But it is also, unforgiveness is the greatest contributor to the spiritual heart disease of the church. It's the reason why our spiritual arteries are clogged. It says there, forbearing one another. You know, that word forbear, it's such a great word. Pastors love this word. It means to put up with. It means to put up with. Forbearing. If you have the kind of personality that is basically a porcupine with a barbed wire fence wrapped around it, and you're saved, you know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to forbear you. Amen. You know, Miss Carol Ann, don't tell anybody, but between you and I, I can be that way sometimes. Don't tell anybody, though. Amen. I don't want word to get out. That sometimes people have to forbear me. But then the rest of the verse says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, that just about covers it all. Amen. As Christ forgave you, so do also to you. Remember what we talked about, keeping short accounts? If, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many times, folks? How many times is he faithful and just to do that? All the time. Every time we ask. Every time. So you know what he tells us to be? Forgiving. How many times, pastor? Every time. Didn't Peter try this with the Lord? Shining his halo. How many times shall my brother sin against me? Till seven times? No. Not seven. Till 70 times seven. 490 times? And then he tells the story of the unforgiving servant who was forgiven of a debt of 10,000 talents. Again, ladies and gentlemen, a church is made up of people. 
Amen? A family is made up from people. I'm sorry, there's just no other way. We don't have visitors from heaven or Martians or anything like that. And people will wrong us. People will offend us. People will bug the snot out of us. We need to forgive. You don't have to walk up to somebody and say, you know, Brother Horsch, you treated me unkindly, so I just want to let you know I'm forgiving you of that. This is where the pastor comes out with the spiritual fire extinguisher. Amen. Got to spray it all over the place. Amen. No. From your heart. Just from your heart. Like, look, boy, I think about how I treat God, and I think about how he still forgives me. And you know what? That person, what they did to me, not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. Amen. Forgive as God forgives. That'll keep a warm heart. Keep a warm heart. Number seven. I got two more. Two more. Number seven. Luke 17. Luke 17. Luke chapter 17. Keeping a warm heart for God. Put God first. Love people for who they are, not who you want them to be. Keep short accounts with God. Guard against sin, but particularly the sins of the heart. Patiently endure godly suffering. Forgive as God forgives. Luke chapter 17. And let's look at verses 16 and 17. Look, start in verse 15. Okay, remember here, this is the story of the ten lepers that were cleansed. Jesus cleansed ten. And verse 15 says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, and this is such a great miracle, because he said, I want you to go to the priest and, and show him. And, and, and Brother Brandon, I think of all the times in, in, in the, the, the Old Testament, and particularly in Leviticus, how uh, there was to deal with leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13. There had never been a time when someone had come to a priest and said, I'd been cured of leprosy. And here was a time where there was ten of them. And I want you to go show yourself to the priest. And so the Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Boy, that's a sermon right there. Remember we started off by talking about transformation, keeping that warm heart for God? And as they went, they were cleansed. And it says in verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed... Turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. I don't know what he said. He, he probably looked back and said, Hallelujah! He might have even raised his voice. It says he raised his voice. It says with a loud voice. Hey, if you'd have been cured of leprosy, you'd have raised your voice too. Especially in Bible days. It says a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Well, isn't it interesting in the teachings of Jesus how badly the Jews hated the Samaritans and how Jesus often gave a great illustration of the woman at the well was a, we know the parable of the good, and here's the one leper that comes back and gives thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Boy, that's interesting. And it says there in verse 16, and fell down his feet, gave, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answering and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. Can I give you a way that I believe will, it's a biblical way, help you to keep a warm heart for God? Be grateful. Just be grateful. Be grateful. One of the, how many of you know uh, I know Mrs. B, you know her, Shirley Jankuski. She's a precious pastor's wife over at Northwest, and she loves to give me the business. She just gives me, and we just have fun. We see each other at the chiropractor, and we joke. We say, Dr. Adams straightens out crooked preachers over there. Amen. <laughs> and uh, she's always getting, she was giving me, she was giving me the business about uh, going to the Philippines. Just giving me the business about it. And I said, well, you should see Pastor White. He's away for 27 days, amen. I was away for 15, and I, I thought it was too many, amen. Uh, so, but I got to thinking about the last time I went to the Philippines, the very same thing happened to me. I came back, Mima, and I thought, I thought, boy, I'm blessed. The meal that my wife prepared today, which was 
a great meal as it always is when my wife cooks, and I'm not just saying it because she's in the room, it just always is. But that is like a feast. Like a once in a while feast at the Philippines, and we have it every week at our home. And then I think about where we get to come to church every week in this beautiful building that some of you saw from Nut and Acorn. Some of you remember when this was field. And I remember being in a building in Mindanao. It was a mission work of the Metro Iligan Bible Baptist Church. And they said, we want to take you out to the mission, Pastor. And uh, they've, uh, they have lunch for you. And uh, several times when I was in the Philippines, I didn't feel much like eating. And, uh, but I went, and they had uh, some, some great fruit set aside. I didn't even know what it was, but I ate it anyway, Brother Horse. Amen. Did you clean this? Amen. <laughs> and uh, I, it was good. I think it was papaya. It was just so soft. And, and I remember and they began to tell me, they said about their church. They said, Brother Rob, that their church used to be on lower property. And they had a, a typhoon in 2012, and it was a Category 5 typhoon. And it, it washed the church yeah. out. And within that was one of the preachers at the church. And three of his four children were killed. Washed out to sea. And then I met the pastor's wife, who her husband was washed out to sea. And I, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. I thought, what on earth? do you have to complain about? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I began to fill up with gratitude as I saw these ramshackle buildings. Brother Jeff, they were the best they could put up and they, they wanted to be the right for God and all that. And I just thought about how grateful I am. Listen, I know pastors that preach far better than I do. And they have small congregations and they have to work a job and they have, and God allows me to be a full-time pastor. God, God allows us to, to have staff here and, and, and I'm so thankful for you. I get grateful for you people. You know, it's hard to get a cold heart when you're grateful. I really believe gratitude is the key to the Christian life. I really do. The older I get, the, 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 the idea of being grateful for what God has done in your life motivates you to love Him more and motivates you to service. You want to keep a warm heart for God? Number one, put God first. Number two, love people for who they are, not for who you want them to be. Number three, keep short accounts with God. Number four, guard against sin, but particularly the sins of the heart. Number five, patiently endure godly suffering. Number six, forgive as God forgives. Number seven, be grateful. And let me give you the last one, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. I feel like this is a great passage to end on tonight. I hope you've been helped. I really do. I want to have a warm heart for God. I want to have that beating heartbeat, especially as a pastor, but also just as a Christian. I want to have that warm heartbeat for God. Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. Certainly talked about that already. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You want to keep a warm heart for God? Lastly tonight, love, look to, and consider Jesus Christ. Love, look to, 
and consider Jesus Christ. One day, our race is going to be over. It's going to be over. But for now, we're still running it. And sometimes maybe we're running with a limp. Sometimes maybe we got a spiritual pulled muscle. Amen? Some, you're like some of them saying right now, I got a physical pulled muscle. Amen? <laughs> Trying to run that race. Sometimes people hurt us, discourage us. You know what you need to do? Look to Him. Look to Him. Consider Him. I think it's in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, with whom we have to do. It's a great phrase. With whom we have to do. That means one day we'll, we'll be in His presence. And I don't want to be in His presence and say, have him say, you know, you had a cold heart. I saved yeah. you. And I gave you that warm heart at the beginning. Boy, you just, I want to have a warm heart for God. I, by the way, if you want to have a warm heart, say amen. amen. I know you do. I know you do. Amen. There are some things that can help us to have a warm heart for God. Let's put God first. Amen, church? In our walk. In our worship. In our will. In our witness. Let's love people for who they are, not for who we want them to be. Let's just love them. Love them, pray for them. Amen? And that's it. Love them and pray for them. Love them and pray for them. Pray for them. I think about that in, in forgiving and forbearing. Let's pray for them more. Amen? Keep short accounts with God. Guard against sin, but particularly the sins of the heart. Patiently endure godly suffering. Forgive as God forgives. Be grateful and love Look to and consider Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, for simple Bible truths. Lord, I thank you for giving me that new heart when I got saved, for giving me that, that heart of flesh, that new spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as a pastor to keep a tender heart, as a husband to keep a tender heart, as a father to keep a tender heart. Or as a Christian, to keep a tender heart. Bless each one here tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor Mark's playing a hymn of invitation.